It's our TCU Fan Corner segment. Alex Frank is here. We're going to talk about some expectations for this upcoming football season. Also, uh, TCU had one commit for the 2024 class. Now they have zero commits. That's concerning. We'll talk about why that is, though, and I think there's a method to the madness. We'll break it all down next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's Locked On Horn Frogs. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, also wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, with me today is Alex Frank, and occasionally we bring guests in who are TCU fans, TCU alums, and so Alex. Briefly, can you just tell the people what your background is? I know you're a recent TCU graduate. Um, have you been a fan your whole life? Was this something that, you know, just kind of happened when you got to school? What is your, uh, what's your TCU story? Yeah, so um, when I was applying for schools, I really looked for, uh, I had a list. It was mid, mid-sized, good academics, and uh, good weather coming from Chicago. I'm originally from Chicago, so that was big. And then good sports. And when you narrow all that down, you pretty much have two schools. It's here and uh, the U. Um, <laughs> and so I chose here. And uh, I the fandom just took off from then. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Alex is uh, in in the times that I've talked to him. He's a real sharp guy, um, and and loves sports. He's a good follow on Twitter. We'll throw out his Twitter handle later in the show. Uh, but we're gonna talk some TCU football. And so, Alex, we were kind of talking off the air. You know, uh, this is gonna be a different year. There's a lot of turnover on this roster. Um, new offense coordinator and Kendall Bryles coming in. Some staff changes happening, and of course, everybody. You know, the question is Chandler Morris stepping in. He did beat Max Duggan out last year, but we haven't seen him a lot in, you know, game situations. Obviously, he did really well in that Baylor game a couple of years ago. But what do you expect from Chandler Morris uh, moving forward into the season, and how do you think he can help this TCU offense maybe add some new dimensions or take some different steps uh, in, in a new era of TCU football now? Yeah, yeah. Uh... So I think Chandler, it's really hard to say with Chandler because obviously we only really saw him play uh, the Baylor game. Um, Obviously that was a fantastic game. Uh, I think Baylor was top 10 at the time Mm -hmm. or 12. Yeah, they only had one loss. I mean, they were up there pretty high. Yeah. Um, Obviously uh, he played extremely well. Uh, and Lincoln Riley has nothing but good things to say about him. So uh, that that makes things a little more positive going forward. I don't expect um, I don't expect him to have Duggan like production, um, but I honestly believe that um, he is a better thrower uh, and probably has more uh, talent with his accuracy just from what I've seen on film and uh, heard from seven on seven situations. So yeah, I, I like, I like him. You're not going to see as much running from him, um, but it, it'll be really interesting to see uh, what he does. 
Yeah, it seems like he's, I mean, going off a different, a couple different sports analogies. Chandler feels more like a distributor, like he's going to get the ball out quickly, get it to his guys on time. Um, and where Max was always a threat to hit home run, that was what made that offense so dangerous because third and 12, you know, second and 11, it didn't matter as much. You could always hit Quentin on a deep route or take off and get a first down. Uh, you'll, you'll probably see a more – hopefully you'll see a more efficient offense. I think if things are going well, that's what yeah. you're – you're thinking is going to happen is that you see an offense that moves the chains at a better pace. Uh, another thing that I've found intriguing kind of switching gears and, and we've, we've talked about this before, but you know, they've added a lot of help sort of yeah. in the middle of the field with some of these transfers. Jared Wiley is going to come back at tight end. Um, John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma state, Jojo Earl guys in the slot, Jack Besh. Uh, from LSU, who's kind of like an H-back tight end uh, type of player. So we might just, we might also just see a difference in philosophy, Alex, of where they, where these targets are, um, because it does seem like a lot of their strength is going to be, you know, guys going over the middle of the field and and making catches in space and maybe getting yards after the catch. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Um, I'm very excited about those pickups. Um, uh, one underrated pickup, and it's not necessarily in the middle of the field, but um, the O lineman from uh, Jackson State. Oh uh, yeah, Willis Willis Patrick. He's very exciting, very undervalued prospect. Has NFL like traits. Um, he. He's making, from what I've heard from the insider at 247, he's already making an impact. Same with JoJo Earl. Um, Jack Bash is apparently a little banged up right now, but, um, you know, we'll we'll see what he does. Um, it'll be interesting to see him and Wiley kind of like take turns um, mm-hmm. in that uh, H-back setting occasionally. Um, but, yeah, with Earl – that's going to be crucial because you need someone to at least, um, you know, uh, at least replicate Tay Barber's production. Um, not as much Darius Davis because he wasn't as big of a target. Um, but Tay Barber obviously got the second most targets um, easily um, if you break down the numbers. So uh, with concern of talent, I mean, Joe Earl is just – light years ahead of, you know, what we have had access to over the past um, couple of years, I would say. Um, And, you know, if it pans out, it'll be great. Um, And it should be exciting. And then Wiley coming back is huge because he is, uh, and we recruit well, don't get me wrong, but Jojo Earl is coming out of high school, he was top 50 player composite. Um, I think he was like the third best wide receiver, um, which is ridiculous, obviously. Um, So, but Wiley coming back, that is very huge um, because he is, I believe, top 10 in uh, according to the PFF production, which for those of you who don't know, PFF kind of like analyzes you know, who is the most productive at positions 
and he's in the top 10. Um, so I expect him to just take it up a notch even more, be, be a, a big target because he's six foot seven. So I'm, I'm, I'm high on uh, TCU football this coming year. Yeah, um, Willis Patrick is an interesting prospect. He's the, the Jackson State transfer. I believe it was Angelo State before that. Jeremy Clark has had some good reporting at 247 about how he's impressed so far in the offseason program. He's a huge, huge uh, lineman, so that'll yeah. be big on the interior this year. Another part of this team that when we've had some conversations, Alex, you brought up was the D-line. And so that's that's a group that, I would say most fans are probably concerned about you're losing Dylan Horton, who was your, your sack master last year. Um, And so what gives you optimism about this defensive line going into uh, a new season? Uh, Two words, Marcus Steele. Um, He is a really, really special talent. Um, Kind of, kind of freshman you, uh, see come in and immediately start and be at the top of a conference and statistics type of player. Um, I'm very excited about him. He's just – he's big, he's fast, he's agile, he's got a good mindset. He's very uh, uh, culture-oriented. That was one of the – that he chose us over Georgia – um, and that was part of the biggest reason was, you know, he really liked the idea of staying home, having that culture. There's another another prospect, Avion Carter. Um, he's he's pretty special as well. Um, he's a big dude. Uh, not as highly rated, but still a four star. Um, and these are these are crucial pickups and. I, I really don't feel that um, the D line is going to be weak. And then obviously uh, the freshman, um, I always forget his name, but he was a true freshman this year. He played really well. Um, oh, Dom, Dominic Williams, yeah, in the yeah. middle. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, it up a notch for sure. Sure. And those young guys, I mean, coming in, if <clears throat> it's rare, like Williams did a great job, it is rare to see true freshmen in the trenches come in and do a great job, but I think they're recruiting at a higher level than they have in the past For at sure. those positions. Those deal and Carter are factors and not that they have to start. I mean, you're going to rotate D linemen enough that they can make an impact without being on the field day one, but then that's going to be a huge, you know, huge factor. Uh, before we go to segment two here, Alex, uh, I, I said this, I asked this question the other day to our listeners <clears throat> of all the guys they're losing from from last year's team, who do you think will be the toughest to replace this season uh, for TCU football? Uh, Max Duggan. Uh, just off the top of my head, it would be Max Duggan or honestly Kendra Miller because uh, the one thing about the upcoming season is we don't really know who's going to start at running back. Yeah, there's Imani Bailey. Uh, mm-hmm. Played pretty well, um, and then there's uh, Cameron Cook, uh, pretty highly touted four star, and then uh, obviously the transfer from Alabama. Uh, so 
Trey Sanders. So it'll be really interesting to see how that flies. But Kendra Miller's production, to give people some perspective who watched uh, um, Zach Evans when he was here, um, it surpassed that level like pretty easily, actually. And that's that's saying something. And that's going to be really hard to replicate. Yeah, I mean, he had 1,400 yards last year, and I don't have the yards per carry in front of me, but I mean, it was significant. It wasn't like, like he was – five, five and a half or something like that. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like he was just compiling, you know, three- and four-yard runs over the course of the season. Yeah. He was really – reminds doing me a little of a – sorry to interrupt. He no, reminds ahead. me a little of a – like a – this might be too high of praise, but uh, he reminds me of a mini Derek Henry because he kind of trucks mm-hmm. – People, the way he runs, he's a violent runner. Yeah, he definitely likes contact, and he's got really good uh, contact balance. You know, he can take on um, tacklers and shake somebody off and get three or four yards. He uses his stiff arm really well. He's got yeah. better speed than people give him credit for. Uh, when he gets to the edge, he can he can make somebody pay. So that's, that's going to be a tough a tough production spot to replace for sure. When we come back, I want to discuss. Uh, a recruiting note for TCU football for the 2024 class. Before we do that, though, I do want to mention FanDuel quickly. FanDuel is the official betting partner of the NBA. Uh, if you love the NBA or any sport, really, you should download the FanDuel app. It's safe and easy and accessible, super easy to use. Uh, whether you want to bet on the money line or some prop bets, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you can get some no-sweat first bets. So if you put down as little as $5, you can get up to $1,000 in bonus bets. And, again, it gets really specific. You can bet on how many three-pointers somebody's going to hit in the game, rebounds, points, or you can just bet on the game itself, the point spreads. FanDuel, it's where the game starts. They are the official betting partner of the National Basketball Association. All right, we're uh, rolling here with Alex Frank. And so 2024 football class, uh, Marcus Davila, who is a quarterback at Midland Legacy, um, he committed to TCU a few months ago, and when he did, uh, Garrett Riley was still on staff. The team was rolling pretty well. Of course, Garrett Riley now goes to Clemson. TCU brought in Kendall Bryles, and since they brought in Kendall Bryles, they have been making a habit of offering um, a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, they went and offered Haas Hinge, who is currently committed to Duke, but he's originally um, from Elite. He's playing his ball at Alito right now. Uh, they also – uh, offered they haven't offered Michael Hawkins yet, but they're they're really recruiting him heavily, according to uh, Jeremy Clark at two four seven. They're going after him. Kendall had a prior relationship with him. You know they they were in the Jaden Rashada sweepstakes, and not that that's part of the twenty twenty four class, but I mean it was obvious that they were trying to get him on board for twenty twenty three, and so I think it, it was pretty obvious uh, to Marcus that they were going a different direction with QB. You know, it seems like Kendall Bryles wants a mobile quarterback um, and wants somebody who can move outside the pocket and make plays with his legs. He had that with KJ Jefferson at Arkansas. So Alex, how big of a blow is this? You know, obviously they're, they're trying to trying to get somebody else. So it's, it's not like they're unprepared for this, but you, right. you lose your one commit for the 2024 class and you're kind of starting from scratch here. Um, you know, before the 2023 season starts? Yeah, I mean, it depends how you want to look at it, right? So, I mean, you could say, hey, he's a really highly touted talent, which objectively that's that's true. On the other hand, 
you got to think, okay, well, if the coordinator can't really work with this type of style and we were talking off air a little bit, it's clear that Bryles wants more of a uh, real dual threat presence, someone who can run in uh, tough situations, take off, uh, not afraid to get out of the pocket. Um, so it really depends how you look at it. And then obviously the the added addition that, hey, you know, we're, we're recruiting even higher than we had before. We're back, we're back in that top 20 slot where, where we have been in there. And next year it looks like it could be better, maybe top 15. Like, so that's the way I look at it. But these talents that he's offered, um, some of them are really promising, and then some of them uh, are also good, but I don't really – know how much you can evaluate just from uh, what you see on tape at a high school level. Um, you know, we see five stars that don't pan out. We see three stars who go on to become NFL studs. So it, it really depends. But one one guy that I'm really high on is um, – uh, Luke Romanhoek, he uh, goes to uh, uh, Benedictine uh, military school. He's really good. Um, can kind of take off, throw when needed. Um, acts as kind of like a uh, like a Boykin like style. Um, jukes around a little bit. Um, he's currently signed to Florida, Florida State, but uh, they're they're pushing a little with him. Uh, but yeah, it looks like Hawkins is going to be uh, the one that they're like, f to use your analogy, full court pressing for. So, yeah, yeah I mean, Hawkins is a four star. He's, uh, I imagine he'll be at, like the Elite 11 camps and all those things. Yeah. Oklahoma's also heavily involved there. Uh, his dad played ball at OU, so there's some connection. He played at Allen last year and he recently transferred to uh, Frisco Emerson, so he's in the Frisco ISD. Uh, school district now. And, and Hinjay seems more like a project, but I think he's another guy that is going to take – the frustrating thing about recruiting – not frustrating, that's probably the wrong word. Um, one thing that happens in recruiting is guys just don't get heavily recruited, and then they do, and then all of a sudden their ratings go up in a big yeah. way. So so Hinjay is getting more offers uh, from Power 5 schools. He's committed to Duke. I think he'll, he might end up being a four-star. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I've said this before. I'm not like recruit guy. I think it's hard to, to, I don't go to camps. I think it's hard to judge just based off like huddle film as you were kind of laying out there. Okay. I, I do. I do think this is interesting though. And I don't have a great answer. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to like cause panic. Um, they, they haven't hit on a QB yet since Sonny was here really. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, you know, they got Josh Hoover from Rockwall Heath who put up great numbers there. Um, but he was – I think he was headed to maybe Indiana before he decided to come to TCU. Uh, but all the kind of battles that they've been in, both in the portal and in the high school level, they, they've struck out on. And I don't know enough about the ins and outs to say that it's a trend, Alex, but it's – I mean, you got to land one of these guys at some point, um, and surely they will, but it's, it's just becoming an issue that you're getting down to the final three, the final two with a lot of these players, and they just haven't been able to close the deal yet. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I would say that 
Um, it, it's as much as I loved uh, GP and what, you know, if he wasn't there, program wouldn't be what it is. Mm-hmm. But he, um, he wasn't as um, uh, innovative might be the best term for uh, recruiting purposes and uh, didn't really utilize the transfer portal um, mm-hmm. as much um, with, with uh, Dykes. I mean, he, he's being really proactive with recruiting and you, you saw that also with SMU, like their recruiting rankings just like jumped when he came. It was just a dramatic turnaround for them. Um, obviously don't want to talk too much on them because, you know, it's a no-fly zone on, <laughs> on Horn Frogs. But, um, yeah, I would say that there's a lot of time. There's a lot of time. And like like you mentioned with the Rashada situation, there are always really, really good players available at the end. And, and um, we're still very early in the cycle. And I, I – I'm still optimistic. Yeah, I am too. And I mean, I feel like these are all individual cases, like the Walker Howard situation seems yeah. to be an NIL deal. Uh, sure. Um, man, I forget about the, I forget the name of the kid from Mississippi state who went to, uh, who went, ended up at Baylor, but there was a kid yeah. there that ended up BU. And I think that was a, a plain time issue. Um, Rashada, I feel like was more, staying closer to home and being in a place he's familiar with with Arizona state. But um, we'll see. I, I'm optimistic. I think it's just, it's always a setback when somebody decommits, but now there's an opportunity yeah. to go, go get someone else. And so we'll, we'll see how that plays out over the next few months. Um, I didn't ahead. mention this, um, but with uh, there's one more kid, Luke Moga. Um, yeah. They offered him yesterday. Right. Yeah. He is really undervalued, like ridiculously undervalued. Um, really, really exciting. If we could land him, if we could get close with him, build that relationship, um, that would be great. Um, I know Oregon is in the hunt right now. They're going after him really quick. Um, but, yeah, that's a, that's a name to keep a serious eye on in terms of potential and uh, just excitement factor. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. Before we do that, though, I do want to uh, talk about LinkedIn jobs. If you need to hire somebody, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Um, LinkedIn is the biggest name in acquiring talent and hiring folks. You know if you own a business or if you're a hiring manager, hiring people, finding folks to run your business is the most important part of it. So uh, go to linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. They have simple screening questions that can help narrow down that pool and help you find the right folks that you need to do the job well. LinkedIn.com slash college. Give it a go today. Uh, proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. So uh, before we get into some basketball and, and close things up, I do want to mention if you're wondering, hey, what happened in the baseball game last night? Uh, Frogs beat UTA 7-3. to I have a bonus episode up on YouTube right now about that game. Um, I'm going to try to do that maybe just for the midweek games, just throw a quick episode up that you can watch in its own individually. 
but yeah, TCU, they won pretty businesslike effort. Uh, good job of the pitching staff getting that done. And TCU basketball, they'll take on uh, Texas Tech at 11 a.m. on Saturday. And Alex, you know, Tech with, with Mark Adams, they're really struggling, but they've suddenly kind of caught fire here towards the end of the season. Um, they've won five in a row, or excuse me, four in a row. Uh, be Kansas State, Texas, West Virginia, and then Oklahoma on the road on Tuesday. And so they look to continue that at home against TCU. Um, so that's going to be a tough matchup for the Frogs. But what do you think has to be different than, you know, what happened Monday night and their struggles offensively to go on the road to Texas Tech and get a victory against the Red Raiders Saturday? Yeah. Um, I mean, biggest uh, – first off, in my opinion, that needs to – be a win on Saturday, but what needs to happen before then is um, Jamie Dixon mentioned this um, during the post game, but shot selection needs to change. Um, Mm -hmm. You need better looks and those looks, I don't really care as harsh as this sounds. If you you are wide open on the perimeter, if it's three pointer, please, you know, for the love, just do not shoot, please. Um, like try to facilitate a drive or um, create defense, create offense at a defense because that's really what he's used statistically is really, really good at. And they, they're elite with those uh, fast break points off turnovers. Um, so, yeah, they need to – make that happen a little more and they also need to um they also need to lean on Coles a little more uh just just because he looks like uh and we talked about this a little bit he he looks more like uh one of the uh best pure shooters on the team and Mm -hmm. uh when when you know miles is getting doubled which he was at multiple points in that game um, you know, and then Damien, uh, is being, uh, really heavily guarded. Uh, those looks start to open up and, uh, Coles typically, you know, makes those opportunities into something that counts. And, uh, he's someone you definitely want, um, down the stretch, uh, taking, uh, open look shots because he's mm-hmm. going to hit on a high percentage of those. So, yeah, like I said, fast break point off turnovers needs to improve. Wasn't really there on Kansas. Um, the defensive lapses need to uh, get better, especially in the interior. Eddie Lampkin wasn't really there, unfortunately, um, against Kansas, which was strange. Uh, just considering how dominant he was the first first time around, um, but that that really needs to be there, and then the shot selection. So those are the keys to victory on Saturday. Yeah, I mean you're getting down to the the nitty gritty here. You know they're still firmly in the tournament, but you have seven wins in conference play. You close with Tech on the road, um, Texas at home, and then Oklahoma on the road. And so you got to win one of those to yeah. maintain, you know, good seeding and maintain a, a good grasp in the tournament. So 
We'll see um, if they can bounce back against Tech on Saturday. Alex Frank, you can find him on Twitter at Alex underscore Frank 18. He is a good follow there. Uh, appreciate you joining us, man. And maybe we can do this again sometime. Um, this is Lockdown Horn Frogs for part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your